0: You're listening to Maybe You're Like Me, the transparent musings of a God girl chasing after her purpose. Maybe You're Like Me is a podcast for dreamers and doers who take life's lessons and level up to look more like Christ. We'll connect through super relatable stories, growing pains, and aha moments that most of us share, just not always out loud. I'm your host, Alicia Watson, creative entrepreneur, playwright, author, wife, mother, daughter of the king, and so much more. And I can't help but to think that maybe you're like me. Hey, beautiful people. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Maybe You're Like Me with Alicia Watson. I'm your host, Alicia Watson. And I am sorry for being late. (laughs) It was my birthday weekend. And while I did everything in my power not to celebrate, God saw differently. And so I was celebrated very well. I had a great weekend. And that weekend spilled over into Monday and I very irresponsibly went out and celebrated and didn't do the podcast. So here I am today. I hope you guys can forgive me. I feel like I have a good one for you today. So maybe you're like me and you've got work to do and do. You do. I know that there's something that you dream about doing. Something that you feel called to do. That thing that feels, I don't know, too big. Too time, energy, and resource consuming. That thing that both excites you and scares the mess out of you. Yeah, that work. I have a lot of work left to do. It's work that I started doing, that I've been doing for nearly a decade. But in one way or another, I got knocked off of my horse, I've been short on resilience. I've been short on grace. I've been short on compassion, motivation, drive, vision, everything. Just standing there, tapping my pockets like I ain't got it. And that's okay because God has an abundance of it, whatever it is that you and I need. It reminds me of Elijah who stood alone for God against like 450 prophets of Baal It's a scene in the Bible where he's basically taunting them because he's challenging them to call on Baal to perform a miraculous act while he calls on God to perform a miraculous act. And of course, Baal doesn't show up because he's not a real God, but God does and people are saved. They come into the belief of God and he actually has them kill all of the prophets of Baal. And because he does that, um, Jezebel gets really mad and threatens to kill him. Oh, and before that, he was able to ask God to make it rain and God actually made it rain. Like Elijah was a really powerful prophet, a prophet that God trusted, a prophet that God loved. So I don't know. To me, it was really confusing when he ran away from Jezebel's death threat. But as you read on, you'll find that he's weary. He's discouraged. And so God encourages him. He sends an angel to give him food and water two times. And the angel says to him, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank strengthened by that food. He went on to travel 40 days and 40 nights off of two meals. (laughs) Wow. Until he reached um, a place called Horeb, the mountain of God. And at that place is where he went into the cave and spent the night. And there in that cave, God met him. He listened to his heart. He listened to how he was discouraged and why which was about being a prophet and the only prophet of God left. And so God encouraged him. He enlightened him about the fact that he had reserved 7,000 in Israel, all of the whose knees had not bowed down to Baal, whose mouths had not kissed him. So Elijah wasn't alone. Elijah wasn't the only one. It didn't all fall on Elijah's shoulders, but it was the perception that he had that it did that really tired him out. I'll talk more about that later. After he revealed all of this to Elijah, God gave him instructions on what he was about to do next, um, on what Elijah should do next. He named Elijah's successor and told him where to find him. And then later, after Elijah had mentored his successor for a little bit, he took him up to heaven without having to even experience death. Like one of only, I believe, two people in the Bible, Elijah and Enoch, if I'm not mistaken, that were taken straight up to heaven. So let's see, power, rest, food, Water, strength, encouragement, education, instruction, direction, and best of all, his presence. These are all the things that God gave Elijah. And these are all the things that he's willing to give us. These are all things that he's actually given me, which is why I feel I am ready, I think, no, I'm sure, to move into this next season. I'm a creative, and it's time for me to create, it's time for me to connect and reconnect with my purpose, which is hope within and through media. If you've been around any length of time, you know that. My media are books, film and video, photography, this podcast, acting, and speaking. Yes, all of those things, all at once. It's a lot, but that's where the trust comes in. My favorite passage of scripture, if you've been around for any length of time, you know this too, is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It reads, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. I don't know the way, but he does. My mistake in the past was not only leaning on my understanding, but on the understanding of others too. I was trying to go on a path towards their version of success or whatever version I thought that they would be pleased with or call success. But I wasn't trusting the path that God was sending me down for his version of success for my life, which is the better version. His version's always gonna be the better version. Yet for some reason, we trust what we can see, what we can perceive, what our little bit of limited experience allows us to even imagine more so than a God that we say we believe in. And if we believe in him, we know how awesome and magnanimous he is. And yet and still we decide to trust ourselves, our own way, our own path, which is silly. So yeah, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And in living out Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, I had to humble myself, especially with Ali Watson Media, for example. Measuring success by growth and scaling isn't my path. I've known that. I just haven't embraced that. It doesn't feel right to embrace that. But again, it's not about my feelings or even what seems to be facts is about my trust in God. Because the bigger I push Ali Watson Media to become, the less I can focus on the other things that I know I am also supposed to do right now all at the same time. So in reality, Ali Watson Media is like my job. I'm more of a freelancer with occasional contractors for my team. I'm not building a multimillion dollar corporation with hundreds of employees and multiple locations. And I'm not changing up my offerings all the time. Like I know exactly what I'm supposed to offer and how much of it and how many people to serve. And even the price point I want to stay at. I'm very clear on my target audience. I'm clear on everything. I've been clear on everything. I have not trusted it enough to push it out there fully and get to work. I've not trusted God to put it out there fully and get to work. I'm ready now because I do trust him and I've seen him work in and through me. And I also just don't care what success looks like to anybody else at this point. I don't know if it's with me turning 40 because I don't know. When you turn 40, I've heard it said and I'm really experiencing it. You really just don't care anymore. You really are very comfortable in what it is that you feel and what you want and what you think. And it's very liberating. I'll tell you that. So if you're loathing getting to 40 and just hang in there, sis, and bro, like it's going to be okay. You're going to actually probably like it here. I know I'm, I'm feeling it. It's great. Anyway, the way I'm meant to run Alley Watson Media means that it allows me to shine in how I connect and how I provide hope, which is my purpose, which is my mission to individual small business owners and entrepreneurs. It's not my ego when I say my work is good. I am a creative. I study my craft. I put in work. I work hard. I enjoy what I do. My work is good, but I am the secret sauce. My connection with people, my insight, my ability to be an empath and to encourage and to coach and to motivate is what makes it so special to work with me. So if I remove myself from the process, because I can't be hands on in a process, if I got to manage people, if I got to manage a business, if I got to work on growing and scaling, I can't do the actual part of the work that I'm literally assigned to do. I'm assigned to touch people and provide hope in and through media. Ali Watson Media is an avenue to provide hope It's not a business for me to get my ego built on. I've had to learn that over the years. And I actually enjoy it more. I don't enjoy business. I don't enjoy politics. I don't enjoy any of that. But I do enjoy connecting with people. I do enjoy watching someone go from point A to point B in their confidence, in their self-esteem, in their joy, in their purpose, like their confidence in their own purpose. The people who come to me, have such amazing visions for their businesses, for their brands, for the things that they're doing. They're mostly service-based. So the people that they're touching, they're, they're changing lives. It's mostly like beauty, wellness, these different industries that I work with. I have a, a small part in changing the lives of the people that my people are touching. And I take pride in being able to be a constant source of creativity and encouragement for them to keep going and keep pushing through to their missions, helping others to fulfilling their visions and their goals for what God has called them to do. So again, growing and scaling is good, but it's not for me. In order to grow and scale, I'll have to hire out the parts of my brand that I actually like doing. I'm clear on that. Now, I know I can't do it alone. So there are things that I will delegate, But it doesn't mean that I need a huge staff or to grow beyond what God is calling me to grow to. And I'm glad to not be grappling with that anymore. With that in mind, I'm so ready to get back to the work that I've been doing with this clarity of vision and clarity of purpose and clarity of direction. With this trust, I've gained all of that. I've humbly submitted. So with that, I'll ask you, are you humbly submitted to Taking the path that God is telling you to take? Even if it doesn't make sense, can you commit to lean on his understanding and not your own? Going in the other direction is rough, rugged, rocky terrain with hot sun and no shade and huge rolling boulders and fiery arrows and animal noises with glowing yellow eyes and shadows. Basically, it's an adventure you do not want to be on. It's no wonder we find ourselves worn out and frustrated, overwhelmed, and tired now don't get me wrong his path could be some of that too but if he's leading us he can fight for us and give us all of those things that I mentioned that he gave to Elijah before he can give us his protection he can give us his direction and again best of all he gives us his presence so as I return to work I've been thinking about how not to find myself in the same place that I found myself before All like the trauma and the tragedy I was not in a good place like mentally um, especially in all that I was doing, I was overwhelmed. I was feeling pulled in many directions. I was enjoying what I was doing, but not to the extent, not full out, not to the extent that I knew that I could enjoy it. Not to the extent that I knew that I could be effective because again, I was lacking in the area of trust. I don't want to end up in the same place again as I return to work. Realistically, life is going to life. You can't stop bad things from happening. That's the condition of the world, the sinful condition of the world. Relationships become challenging. Work becomes frustrating. We get discouraged in one area or another. We might get sick. We can lose loved ones. Life is going to life. Here's where I've landed on how to help me navigate it going forward. Submit to his will. Stay connected to the source. Surround myself with the right people. Stay true to myself. I like alliteration. It's fun. Submitting to his will is self-explanatory, intellectually. But when your feet are to the fire, can you stand on the hot coals and let it burn? There's a fallacy that a good God doesn't allow bad things to happen. But our example, Jesus had the worst things happen to him. He died a sinner's death on the cross after he suffered abuse and betrayal. And what's worse is that he knew it was about to happen beforehand. And what's even worse than that is that he felt the presence of God leave him. When he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's because he felt that God had turned his back on him because he had to, because that's what God would have done to us if we didn't have Jesus as our savior. Before that moment, he did so that Jesus could accomplish all that he accomplished and end up at the right hand of God. When Jesus knew his fate, he went into the Garden of Gethsemane to pray, to try to change it, But yet he still trusted God enough to submit his will to him because he knew that God could change it. But nevertheless, not his will be done, but God's because God's will will always be better. That's our example. And from that example, I am encouraged to feel my feeling, but not let them dictate my direction. The only thing or one who should be dictating my direction is God. And because I trust him, I will submit my will to allow him to do that. In the vein of following Jesus's example, all throughout his ministry, while doing the amazing, love-filled, intellectually stimulating, miraculous work that he was doing, he often stole away to pray and to be alone. He put himself on the agenda, like I've been saying all season. He put God on the agenda, which is something I needed to emphasize more. Self-care is great, but soul care is also great. It's even better, actually, Going off and taking care of yourself to refill is good. Going off to refill through God is even better. And that's what Jesus did when he would leave his disciples and send them ahead of himself so he can go and be alone. Our most important work is being intentional about growing spiritually so that we can be and look more like Christ. Prioritizing our spiritual disciplines like prayer, like worship, reading and meditating can be real work. us believers. It can be the only work that we actually need to do in this season. Sometimes we'll get an assignment and just go running without having done the work and the training to be prepared for it. Praying, worshiping, reading, meditating, filling ourselves with things of God is the training ground that we need to be on when we get that assignment. And beyond that, going away and connecting with him while we're on the journey is how we'll stay true to the path he's telling us to take. This type of soul care and Time connecting with God, stealing away is so key to making sure that everything runs smoothly. But it also ensures that we can bounce back when things get rocky. God gives us the destination up front. He gives us the assignment, but not the directions. We need to stay connected to him like a GPS to help us map there. Why? Because he can see the hazards. He can see the accidents. He can see the speed traps and the detours all along our route. Like Jesus, I'm surrounding myself with the right people. From friends and family and people I work with, to the books I read, music I listen to, shows and movies I watch, and even the people I watch and connect with on social media, I'm being intentional about it. Influence is all around us, and we're silly to think that we're not impacted by it. Jesus knew who to call us his disciples. He knew who to put in his top three. He also maintained relationships with people that didn't walk with him daily, like Mary, Martha and their brother Lazarus. And he loved them and they knew that he loved them and they loved him, even if they weren't on the daily path with him. And what makes people the right people, you might ask. And I'd say, you know, just evaluate. Are they leading you towards or moving you away from God and what he told you to do? Does your spirit feel conviction when they're around? It's not necessarily do you feel good around them because sometimes you're in people's lives for them and they're not in your life for you. Sometimes you're on assignment with people and it's not always about separating yourself from people. Sometimes it's about setting a boundary based on what you will do and what you will do if they cross that boundary. But it doesn't necessarily mean that everybody around you will be someone that is necessarily for you. Because look at Jesus. He sat with Judas and said, you know, he sat at that table and said to all of his disciples that one of you is going to betray me. He stayed there. He didn't didn't banish Judas from the room. He actually sat and ate with him and drank with him because Judas couldn't stop what God had going on for Jesus. Judas couldn't change what Jesus had to go through. Judas couldn't change God's will. Judas was a part of God's will being done in Jesus's life. So again, when thinking of surrounding yourself with the right people, it's not necessarily even from your perspective. But again, we have to go back to trusting God. Are we putting a God lens on every relationship that we have? Are we seeking God to reveal to us the people that should be around us? Are we asking God to send us people along our path that he wants us to help or he wants to help us? Are we aligned? Are we in tune? Are we just seeking to feel good? Again, feelings can't dictate anything for us, only God. Submit even your relationships to God and he will tell you which path to take. Oh, and I'm not saying that I don't watch or listen to secular things. I don't, I'm not hypocritical in that. I just know to listen to the spirit that he's placed within me. And if I feel conviction or if it's, if it's irritating my spirit, I can turn it off. And I will turn it off when he's telling me that I can't handle it. I can't handle watching some things like I can watch Game of Thrones. I cannot watch House of Dragons. <laughs> I don't, I, it doesn't sit right with me. And I don't try to force it. It's just, it's not for me. And so then I don't watch it. But I'll also say, the more you feed your spirit, the more it will want to be fed things of the spirit. And the more sensitive it will be to things that are not of the spirit. You'll have the mind of Christ the more that you feed your spirit Christ-like things. So the opposite applies. If all that you give to your spirit is secular things, you will not develop an appetite for the word or for worship music or for sermons or for Christ centered shows or movies. So don't be deceived that if your spirit isn't, isn't ramping up, isn't convicting you that it's okay too. like, Some of that has to be a part of your discipline, but the spirit within you can be a lot louder if you feed it and strengthen it so that you can hear that voice when it is something that is not good for you, that you can't handle, that you're being exposed to. Lastly, Jesus stayed true to himself because he knew who he was and he trusted who God said he was. The work that we have to do takes focus. It takes focus, constant, consistent (laughs) focus. It takes intentionality daily evaluation it takes taking up your cross every day denying yourself and following Jesus even in your work we have to find our identities in Christ and cross-reference them when the enemy tries to come in with his lies I'm not just talking about self-doubt I'm also talking about self-pride in Matthew 4 when Jesus was in the wilderness the enemy tempted him with scripture And he tried to appeal to his ego. He knew who Jesus was and he wanted to get him off track. He wanted to get him on his team, but Jesus could not be swayed. One, because he had been spending time with God and two, because he knew who he was. The enemy knew who Jesus was. The enemy knows who you are too. He knows he can appeal to your pride. He knows what buttons to push. He can't read your thoughts. He can't read your mind, but he can get you to believe the lies that he places in those places of influence, like on the TV, like in your movies, like on social media, like in your family, like in culture. He can use those lies and appeal to your ego and get you to thinking things about yourself that God is not saying. You have to find your identity in Christ he knows that he can appeal to your pride. It's tempting to know that you can do what someone else is doing, right? But the strength is having the restraint to stay on your path. It's tempting to flex. It's tempting to prove your worth as a worker, as a wife, as a mother, as a woman, as a person, as a whatever occupation you're in. It's tempting to try to play the games that people play with you at work, at church, in your social groups. It's tempting. And any other number of temptations that might apply to you, the enemy has clocked. It's always tempting to choose the good thing over the God thing. Just like where Jesus was in the wilderness, the enemy tempted him with good things. The lies didn't even look like lies. He's sneaky. This is another reason why you need to find your identity in God and stay connected. Keep denying yourself and stay seeking his will. Keep evaluating your actions and your thoughts and your will to make sure that they align with his and what he's telling you to do. Because again, even though you can do something doesn't mean that you should. We have a number of different gifts and talents, abilities, capabilities, many directions that we could go at any given time on any given day. But the clarity of knowing which path to take comes from connection, Discernment, trust, and humility. Those things allow you to stay on the path that God has placed you on because you trust him when he says that that is the path for you. Fam, we've all got work to do. i leave you with Paul's words to the Philippians in chapter two, verses 12 through 15. Dear friends, you always follow my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it's even more important Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Family, I can't wait to hear about and see all the work that he's doing in and through you. I myself am excited to get back to work to see how God will be glorified in me and through the work that he does through me. Ephesians two ten reminds us, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Let's get to work. Well that's all I have for you today. If you're like me, I would love to hear from you. Reach out to me on Instagram at the Alicia Watson, send a DM and let's chat. If you know someone who's like us, please share this episode with them. Subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to fine podcasts. I hope you all have a wonderful week. Okay. Bye.